0: But because we literally had to save every single dollar mm. and our, our savings, I still remember our actual savings account, we're putting $2 in a week. That's all we could afford to save. But we knew we had to save. But it created really good habits for us.
1: I thought. Awesome. When the
0: income increased, the savings increased.
1: Mm.
0: And you, you have to sacrifice. If you're not willing to sacrifice, you're going to pay for it down the track. You're listening to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard. Here's your host, Tabitha Bright.
1: Hello and welcome to Property Investor Tales, stories from the front yard, where I get to speak to property investors from around Australia about their investing journey. My name's Tabitha Bright and I'm the head of coaching here at Positive Real Estate, where we help people build wealth through property with over 8,000 clients across Australia and New Zealand, there are some incredible stories to tell, which hopefully make your investing journey that little bit easier and will inspire you along the way. So my guest today is one of our newer coaching team, Adam Salmon, and we discuss how Adam dealt with unexpected parenthood, and then what it resulted in to him getting creative to change his family's prospects and getting into the property market with his first joint venture. And lastly, his biggest lesson around trading and flipping property as a builder developer. So enjoy this conversation with Adam. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the podcast. So today I have with me Adam Salmon. And um, Adam is our newest member to join the coaching team And he comes from a background of uh, construction and building, so he's bringing a a wealth of knowledge in that space um, to really fill out uh, the team's expertise which is super exciting. So I thought as a bit of an intro to Adam, I would interview him for today's podcast. Uh, he's uh, obviously new to the team, and I've been able to provide a bit of leverage <laughs> under the guise of, oh, everyone does it, Adam, so don't stress. So uh, Adam's had his arm twisted uh, to feature today in my latest victim for the podcast. So uh, Adam, awesome to have you. Uh, thanks so much for being here.
0: No worries, Ted. Thank you for having me.
1: Fantastic, and Adam, you were originally a Victorian lad, and now you're up in Newcastle, calling yourself a Novocastrian. Is that correct?
0: No, I'm still a Victorian. Tab, uh, <laughs> I, live, I live in Newcastle. I really enjoy Newcastle, but I'm still a Victorian.
1: Ah, huh. that's like me. I live and love Australia, but I will always, forever be a Kiwi. It's uh, it's funny, isn't it, how we have our identity attached to yeah. Off- yeah I was-
0: I still call myself a country boy. I'm actually from um, country Victoria, down right down the bottom near near Wilson's Promontory, a place called Lean Gather.
1: Oh, Leon Gather's beautiful. We used to have um, a beach house down Venus Bayway. Gorgeous. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, I liked it because it was raw. It hadn't been sort of overly baked by... Um, by people looking for a place on the coast. It was, you know, still uh, what we call metal roads in New Zealand, but uh, gravel roads. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I think
0: um, it's um, changed a bit now.
1: Oh, has it? Yeah.
0: Yep. The last 10 years, it's really kicked on. Uh, still beautiful.
1: I should have kept it a bit longer.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Might have, seen, might have seen that growth in the end. Um, all righty, so just want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff you've done with your investing. You've been very successful with your investing over the years. It's afforded you some choices. Um, one of the choices was to come and uh, essentially start a new career coaching and in investing. Um, so take me back a number of years. What put you on the journey of investing in property? Because um, you had a bit of a shock at a young age. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Uh, yeah, a little bit of a shock. I, I was... Um, <laughs> Living the life of a typical early twenties uh, young man who lived with his good mate, partied, played footy, just enjoying life. And, um, <laughs> never really thought much about the future or thought yep. much past the next pay packet, really. But um, and then uh, my then girlfriend, now wife, rang me when I was driving home from footy training one night. I had the, the big the big brick phone, and she rang me, and um, all I got before it dropped out was. I'm effing pregnant. <laughs> then it dropped out and then it wasn't for another hour later, I could actually find a phone booth to call her. and oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally um, the phone booth outside a petrol station. I was in country Victoria. And um, I, I, I literally um, got to a point right then and there and went, well, yeah, I've got a child coming. I better pull my socks up and do something about it. So, um I, I suppose it sort of started there. Um, but yeah. it, actual it, property didn't start for a few years after that, after we sort of,
1: yeah.
0: Penn and I worked our butt off six, seven days a week. I was working days. She was working nights as a nurse and um, saved uh-huh. enough money to then, you know, start yeah. the journey.
1: Start the journey. Because pen Penny was about to head off overseas, wasn't she? She was about to do her big oE and yeah, yeah. Um, and so that obviously it was must have been a massive crossroads for you guys um, and not an uncommon one for many for many yeah. couples when you find yourself suddenly um, with the prospect of family. Uh, and so so you guys then obviously had to make some pretty swift lifestyle changes. So I'm just being nosy now because I've got you on the spot in the hot seat. That's okay. <laughs> uh, and so uh, you weren't living together at that point. So you had to obviously move in and sort all of that stuff out. So it's a massive change in the in your early 20s.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so I was, I was batching with a good mate and living you know, a real good life as a young batcher. And Pen was living with her sister. And as, as you said, she was... I think it was the doctor's one door, then she's going to the travel agent the next door, but she came out of the doctor's and went, okay, well, that's, won't need to go to the travel agent anymore. So, um, and then we find ourselves living in a, you know, shitty little two bedroom apartment with a little baby girl, Molly. And um, yeah, it was head down, bum up really from there. We sort of thought, well, if we're going to make this work. We've got to work hard. We've got to save our money. And yeah. we really learnt how to save money. We've never had a credit card ever. And we just, we just, if we couldn't afford it, we didn't buy it. Um, yep. We went down to the local, um, you know, op shop and bought the washing machine, the double tub washing machine. We had to wash here and had to put another on to spin. And, you know, it was, it was really quite tough, but it, it taught us some damn good lessons.
1: Yeah, I bet. I bet. And, um, and so how old's Molly now? 23. Twenty-three. Okay. All righty. And um, and you went on this, Kate.
0: And engaged.
1: Oh, and engaged. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, look at your smile. That's fantastic. Yeah. And you yeah. like the fella, don't you? I can tell from your smile. He, he, apart from
0: he's a kiwi, he's a lovely kid.
1: Very <laughs> <Fair> cool. <goal. laughs> <laughs> um all right um so then i guess tell me about you saved your money and did you buy your own home did you buy an investment what did you do with your deposit because that was hard come by
0: it it was hard to come by um look the first one we did um i probably couldn't get enough deposit and have a good enough income to be able to get a deposit that i needed to do what i wanted to do which was do a development. Yeah. Um, and at that time, I was in Glen Waverley area, <clears throat> the, the dual locks really hadn't kicked off at that stage there. Um, and I, I did the sums on it, I did my own feasibility studies <clears throat> on a number of properties and worked out, this actually stacks up really quite well, but I yeah. then worked out, I'm not to, going to be able to fund that myself. So yeah. I found, um, not found, I, I knew a, a old family friend who was a businessman <clears throat> who I approached and put a proposal forward to him, and he said, "Yep, I'm happy to go in with you." Um, however, what was not until about fifteen or twenty of these proposals, and feasibility studies, I put in in front of him, and then he went, "Yep, that's a good one. Let's have a look at that one there." So right. he and I went through the whole process. Uh, bought it at auction. Um, it was three hundred and fifty odd thousand dollars, which was a lot of money. But if you look back now, that property is probably, <laughs> as it was, probably worth. One and a half million dollars for the land, um, and then, yeah, then I, then I did. I'm an ex. I, I trained as an architectural draftsman, so I did the design documentation, did the DA. Ah, uh, um, so
1: you got that behind you as well.
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I studied that when I first left high school. Interesting. Um,
1: I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Then from there, I um, I did the carpentry works because I'm, I'm a carpenter. Yeah. Um, and did the, the buildy works build works for the whole thing? Did it as an owner builder? So I didn't have my builder's license at that time. Yeah. Um. And got to the end of it, sold it, and split the profits. And uh, that gave me a good little sort of nest egg to be able to then go out by myself and do my own thing. It was good.
1: Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Um. And when you say dual lock, because sometimes there's language that people use and it can mean different things to different people so i'm guessing what you mean by that is two on a block or something that's great. That what, what you yeah. mean yeah. it was okay. one behind
0: the other which you also refer to as a battle axe type of block
1: Yep, great okay fantastic so the battle axe subdivision sometimes when we're talking about dual lock um uh we use it in terms of apartments where there's a, a door that you can um, you might have two apartments side by side and you make it dual lock, yeah. So <laughs> just so we're clear for anyone listening to today's podcast. So cool. um, so the old Battle Act subdivision, uh, yes, it certainly gained popularity, but it, it's funny because there are certain strategies that take people a while to click on to. They are first often taken up by people with not, insider knowledge like builders, like... Um, you know, people that have done development before. Strata titling blocks of units is another one of those strategies that was very popular probably 10, 15, 20 years ago. But then the opportunity went out of the market when everybody kind of jumped on the bandwagon, so to speak. And certainly like to get a um, a subdivision to stack up in Glen Waverley today is pretty tricky, right? Because everyone's (laughs) paying the... The for the profit before they've even done the done the work, yeah.
0: Yeah, and and I think if you were to buy buy now a parcel of land, it's got a house in it, and to hold that parcel of land to get the appreciation of the land, then you develop. That's probably the only really way yeah. it could work. Yeah. Um, buy, buying, developing, and selling just just doesn't stack up.
1: No, not it's interesting, isn't it? Not anymore. Um, all righty, so, so that was your first sort of foray into um, into investing. And how did that go? It obviously, well, I don't want to say it obviously went well, but I'm assuming it went well, yeah.
0: Well, there was a, it was a bit of a bumpy ride. It definitely didn't go smooth. It was really my first, it was definitely my first larger build to scale. Yeah. Um, the first, did you build it? yeah, I would, because the other guy, Frank, he had the um, he had the owner, owner, he owned a property himself. He had to be the owner builder. I was, I was the builder essentially. I, I managed it, and oh, managed okay. it and did the the carpentry works.
1: Yep. And uh, you said it was a bit bumpy. Tell me about that. We like bumps. We like to I, hear about
0: bumps. We don't I like think to more.
1: experience them. <laughs>
0: I think more bumpy, given lack of experience, lack of knowledge about what to do next. Um, you look at the DA process, and okay, I've got a, I've got a design here, I've got plans here. Submit those to the council. Oh, actually, I need to get uh, um, engineers to do the, the sewerage report and design, and I need to get a survey to do this and this and this, and it was right. sort of, all sort of to them and back to me, back to me. So the DA took probably about three months longer, four months longer by memory than what it probably could have taken purely because of my inexperience. But um, we had a, the flexibility of a bit of time up our sleeve. So it wasn't too bad. It was, it, it was a damn good lesson though.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because for people that haven't developed before, like if you don't have that flexibility um, in regards to buffers or you know more cash into the deal so that your holding costs aren't too great, When something can take, you know, four months, six months, 12 months longer than you you anticipate, your holding costs start chewing into your profit margin. Um, And it's really easy for um, these small developments to go sideways pretty fast um, from chewing up a profit perspective um, if it's not managed well. So obviously there was a steep learning curve and you had the stability of a finance partner that um that gave you that little bit of flexibility and had a bit of faith in you which is lovely
0: (laughs) oh absolutely yeah and um yeah yeah i I quite often speak of frank who gave me that opportunity in glowing terms. he's a lovely man and he he took a punt on me absolutely um but he had good faith in me and it worked out and we both we actually went on after that and did down the track we did uh three larger developments together or single nice. resident, larger um, developments together as well.
1: Oh, that's awesome. It's nice to hear of uh, development going well because um, a lot of people want to, want to get into development and I normally would not recommend it as a first step for many people. Uh, I mean, unless... I always say a caveat around that. Unless you have specific skills, like you had the skills that you were a draftsperson, you were um, also a builder by trade. So you had... Um, a lot of the skills and understanding that a, a novice investor may not have. And even so, it was a journey and a process that you had to learn, you know, through the school of hard knocks a bit. Um, yeah. And when yeah. you're, pl- when you're uh, learning with somebody else's money too, like if that had gone sideways for you, um, then there is the added pressure of learning with somebody else's money, which is a fricking tough conversation.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I was fortunate that in my carpentry training, i had done 12 months estimating and project administration with a company that I'll do an apprenticeship with. So I was able to bring that, I suppose, security for Frank, that here's all the figures, they're all, yeah. for, here's all the contracts, everything's contracted. So oh. I had a I had a good understanding of what to do. I'd yep. done it for other people, bits and pieces for other people, but to do it all as one was probably the biggest challenge. But I I, I don't know how people who are untrained and uneducated in this take these sort of things on. It's it's yeah, you, you need well, it's often a disaster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think um, and it, you know. I say to anyone that's wanting to develop, I always ask them why. What are they wanting to get out of it? Um, What is their skill set and what cash have they got? Because, um, you know, you do need decent buffers. You need at least a 20% um, contingency is the rule that I usually have for clients. Um, And so what happened next then? So you did the deal with Frank. It worked out well, so both of you walked away. You on sold those developments.
0: Yep, yep, that was the deal at the start. Sold yep. them the straight away. Sold them for a, a record price at the time for five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and what would they be worth today?
0: Oh, uh, I Each- reckon one and a half comfortably.
1: Uh, right. Okay. So there's a, there's a million. If you'd held those properties, there's a million each in those properties. Yeah. And this is often people like the idea of trading or flipping property. And it's not that you can't have that as a strategy. Sometimes you have to, right? You have to, um, it's part of an agreement or the banks will only give you funding if you on sell a certain portion of them or whatever it might be. But um, holding for the long term um, has some fantastic gains. Um,
0: that one there is a prime example. But um, mm. let, let's let's say we did hold one of those. Um, yeah. It's obviously, yeah. going to be paid off by this stage. So you got one and a half in equity, and you're probably going to be getting about eleven hundred dollars a week income. Yeah. That, yep. That's from each one. Yeah. So. No. Yeah, and, and then on top of that, obviously the depreciation that you've claimed throughout time as yeah, well. Yeah, throughout the journey. That's that's good going. Um, yeah. So, How and long I I actually was that? 20 years?
1: 20, oh yeah, I was going to say 20 years. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. 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 So it's a, that's the sort of lesson I'm sort of passing on to my clients is, yeah. that, you know, if I had have done this, I'm giving you the opportunity to learn from my, <laughs> not say mistakes, but yeah. learn my lessons.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, obviously, you know, you did really well out of it and you, what did you do with that um, profit you created? What happened with that?
0: Um, pretty much from there we bought and renovated um, ah. and huh. lived in, sold, no um, principal place of residence, that was a pretty much place of residence, no capital gains taxes on those. Yeah. We sort of hopped. <laughs> eight, eight off the top eight of my head.
1: Times. Oh my gosh.
0: Uh, needless to say, we've had enough of living in renovations.
1: Uh, my parents love them to death, but I think um, I've only done one serious renovation in my entire time, um, which was this house that we live in now. And um, and both you and I uh, know the builder that did this, oh, um, yes. and they did a um, they did a fabulous job. But my parents, my dad, basically taught himself building. He's the most amazing building, but it was all self taught. And he uh, he's a graphic designer by trade and worked in advertising. Then he'd wow. then he'd build in his spare time, and um, and this is before YouTube had the tutorials and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I um amazed that he was so handy uh and Mum as well she used to put up jib board and um or plaster board i think you call it over here and um uh, but we were always living in renovations always i remember through the middle of winter we lived on this high hill in um wellington in new zealand and the the uh back of the house had these massive windows that must have been eight foot by god knows what Um, once I've done the renovation. But we looked out right across Wellington, right across the harbour, south into the southerly gales. Like Wellington is known as windy Wellington. (laughs) We got the full force of the southerly straight through our house and we had no windows up at all. We had tarps right through winter with the southerly wind. I've never been so cold in my life. And after that, I was like, when I leave home, I'm never going to do <laughs> a renovation. We were always renovating. But that's how they made their money too. And they yep. did really well out of it. Is just this constant sort of renovation um, cycle. But yeah. We've we got the coming. skill set
0: to do it. I think improving your principal place Fine. of residence is a smart move.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely as part of a part of a strategy. Um and if you don't mind moving like you did, how did the kids deal with the moving?
0: I think because they did it from an early age, it's just, that's just what you do. Huh. Our, our last place in um, Melbourne, we stayed in for about, I think it was about six years. Oh, yeah. And we all got a bit itchy feet. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> we like it, but <laughs> what are we doing next Dad? That? So that's just- Part and parcel now. Now my um, my eldest daughter Molly, she's she just moves all the time. She's in Melbourne now and she lived up at Byron Bay and she's she'll live overseas in the next 12 months, no doubt. So oh. you know, you sort of bred into them.
1: Yeah, interesting. Interesting. And um what do your friends and family think about your investing? Do they know? Do you tell them? Is is it something you're <clears throat> comfortable talking about with them?
0: Um one or two friends I talked to about it only, um, and yeah, I, my mother was in real estate, so she's always interested to listen to where I'm at and what I'm doing. Yeah.
1: How was she in real estate? What did she do?
0: Um, she sold. She was a real estate agent in Leon Gatha, and then oh, they moved okay. to <laughs> then they moved to Melbourne and. Um, I'll, I'll leave out the person that she worked with. They were um, a, a bit, a bit dodgy as it, as it turned out. A lot of people invested with these, these people. Uh-huh. And mum was one of those, and she lost a bit of money, I think, through uh, that. But um, that's rough. Yeah, it was. It was a good salesman, this guy, and uh, uh-huh. I think she, she bought it. But uh, she, she did well for herself after that, though. She picked herself up and bought a couple of properties, and we did oh, a development. Her and I did one together in oh, yeah? Mornington. Yeah, we did a. A six-townhouse development in Mornington. That that went well.
1: Good. Did you keep any of those?
0: I uh, kept one, yeah. Ah, huh. good. Good, good.
1: <laughs> Important. Yes. And so what would you say to somebody watching this that is really keen to start investing but maybe is nervous about it, um, concerned about it? What would you say? What would your advice... To- be to somebody starting out brand new?
0: Um, I think what I have been, particularly early days, was um, we talk about gambling versus investing. And I was probably more the gambler in that, yeah, I, I, I thought I knew what I was talking about and it stacked up on the back of a napkin. And, you know, these my feasibility study that I did stacked up. But I, I really didn't do the, the, the full due diligence that, I think required to, to be um, successful. Yeah. And I think if I was better educated, yeah. I would have done better than what I did. Yeah. Um, so look, I'm, you know, I'm telling my, my kids at the moment, listen to all this stuff I'm giving you, read all this stuff here. So when the time does come that you have got the ability to purchase a first investment property, you yep. actually understand what you're doing.
1: Yeah.
0: So when when Mr. Solicitor or Mr. Accountant or Mr. Broker says this and this and this, you understand yep. it. Yeah. On top of, if I was to say, here's the the research and the evidence why this is a good property, you actually understand that as well. Yeah. Same as anything in life, it's, it's education and knowledge is is key.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, And so if you could go back in time, (laughs) classic podcast question, go back in time and see young Adam at 20, how old were you in the Crossroads, hit? 22. (laughs) That is young. (laughs) Yes, very young. If you could go back and have a chat with young Adam at 22 years old, what would you say to him with the... (laughs) the
0: experience of hindsight um, I, I think probably educate myself like do more research on what mm. you're trying to do and and I, I was a builder and a developer and I felt I was a good builder educated builder, but when it came to the Came to the investment side of things. Yeah, I was guessing. Yeah, yeah, and I was speculating pretty much.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yep. Most did well, absolutely. Yeah. But it's probably because I was a good builder; that they did well.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and then that's probably the the first thing, and I suppose uh, what would happen from there is that I would have understood the. Um, implications of holding a property. Yeah. Because I, I never held it early on. I was bought, sold, bought, sold, bought, sold all the time. And I yeah. suppose that was my business. That's fine. But I'll yeah. guarantee there are opportunities that I could have held. Yeah. That I look back and go, I should have held. So, yeah, I could say that a lot of things, but they all come back to if I was educated, right. Yeah. I would know they were the right things to do.
1: Okay. Good. 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 Um, all righty. And I mean, look, I think I mean hindsight's a wonderful thing, yeah. Absolutely. It all... <laughs> Sometimes people say, "Oh, I'd love to go back to when I was such and such an age," and I go, "God, really? I remember myself at that age." And go, "Not on your not on your life would I go back to back to that age." But if I guess, if you could go back with all the lessons that you've learned and your current mindset. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a wonderful thing about ageing, I think, is that you just, you, I know it's a cliche, but you do find certainty within yourself as to who you are, and I don't think you have that when you're young. Yeah. And um, that uncertainty when you're not sure when you're younger, or at least this was my experience, is not something I'd ever want to go back to. Um, but I think this thing around the education um certainly helps you build some of that that self-esteem and certainty. Some stuff you can only learn, I think by hard knocks. Yep. I'm a yep, yep, yeah, I yep. I'm a big believer that a little bit of adversity um, you know can work wonders when it comes to popping out the other side and learning some stuff. I think, you know, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of rhetoric and plenty of studies that, you know, people that have only ever succeeded or had the perception of an easy ride seldom appreciate it or or have self-esteem. Yeah, I think
0: our biggest lesson that I look Mm -hmm. back now and see people around that I've learned, that I've met over the journey is that having nothing, like, I was, on a, I was still an apprentice when we had Molly. So I was on like $380 a week or something. Ouch. Yep. Yeah. And that looks tough. But mm. because we literally had to save every single dollar
1: mm. and
0: our, our savings, I still remember our actual savings account, we're putting $2 in a week. That's all we could afford to save. But we knew we had to save. But it created really good habits for us.
1: I thought but when I thought the
0: income did. increased, the savings increased. Mm. and you you have to sacrifice if you're not willing to sacrifice you're going to pay for it down the track
1: very very wise words and um yeah I've got a story I remember when I when I first met Vin my my hubby um we were both coming off the back of some sort of life, you know, when you're young, I was 23 and he was 22. And we'd both come off the back of what felt like some life changing um, challenges. Uh, You know, I got married young and um, had uh, had a baby young and uh, left my husband and uh, I just happened to meet Vin and it all felt like wrong timing. And, a bit like your crossroads, right? Yep. And yep. I was broke as I had dropped out of uni before I got married. I'd um, we'd bought a house really poorly. We'd we'd done no research. My first husband and myself done no research. Got sucked into some sales spiel about putting five grand down. That was all we could rustle together for a deposit. And then that, what they were doing were they were overvaluing. They had the valuers in um in their pocket and they'd overvalue it so you could get a loan on the you know on the equity so to speak yes um and i actually got called by the fraud squad in when i was here in australia because not that we'd done anything wrong we'd just put the deposit down and bought this house for less than it was worth but you know a really important lesson, but they were tracking down the the guy that owned the company that had been doing this because apparently okay. he left a trail of disaster behind him um, and had um, you know been paying valuers backhands and all sorts. You know this is in the unregulated days. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was able to sell that house for what we bought it for. Thank goodness. So, uh, but I thought I was going to have my first real challenge with. Um, you know, owing a whole lot of money on something I no longer owned when my husband and I separated. So we were going through that. And I remember I'd go around and see Vin cause I was living on my own with my daughter, of course. And um, Vin at that stage was just a boyfriend. So we were yeah. keeping things separate. And I remember on the weekend that my husband had my daughter, I'd catch up with Vin and I, we were so broke. I remember searching around the flat, the um, apartment that he rented as a student looking for the five cent pieces so we couldn't buy a minimum chips <laughs> because we were hungry. And I remember Vin with $2 instant noodles and he'd, um, he poured them down the sink by accident and it was his last $2. And you know when you're just that broke uni student, it's that I have very, very clear memories of that's what it feels like. Like I had the safety net in my parents and all of that. So I was never going to, you know, be homeless or have have real challenges. But, you know, I had pride and I didn't want to talk to my parents. But that feeling of struggling um, is something that I think is defining when you're determined to get out the other side. And I remember Vin and I, we set up this bank account and we, I can't remember what we called it, but it was something about our freedom account. And like you and your wife, we'd put any extra money that we had into this account. And that's what funded us to come to Australia um, and start fresh. And we arrived in Australia. I had two t-shirts and a pair of jeans and in a backpack. (laughs) And Vin had the same, we slept on mattresses on the floor. My daughter's never forgiven me um and um and we started with nothing basically um That's yeah. yeah but it, it's that determination to pop out the other side um yeah, from yeah. a bit of hardship
0: mm. and i think that what you said there reverts back to that buying that property if you had been educated you wouldn't have bought that
1: not in a million years yeah that was yeah. <laughs> put me off property for a long time I didn't buy my next property till I was 27. Yep, yep. I was just like, nah.
0: <laughs> you can probably probably say that any, any mistake you've made, you look back and go, if I was educated, I wouldn't have made that.
1: 100%. 100%. Well, my friend, I know you've got another meeting coming up. So um, I think on that note, we'll end it. So education folks is the key. And with your education, you also need to take action. Um, So just make sure that whether you're part of positive real estate or you're looking for coaching, guidance, mentoring, education, make sure that you are empowered to take action in a um, safe, considered, measured way um, in order to get some fantastic results and that you've got plenty of support and people to ask questions. Awesome. So big thank you to Adam uh, for sharing your story.
0: Thank you, (laughs) Kelly. Lovely chatting.
1: My pleasure, and I'll see you around the traps. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Property Investor Tales. Remember to subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode drops. As you can guess, I love hearing people's Property Investor Tales. So if you'd like to share yours, then please get in touch with me via email at propertyinvestortales.com. At positivementor.com.au. We would also love your feedback and I would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Remember, you can watch all of these podcasts over on YouTube at Positive Mentor or at positivementor.com.au. Until then, take care, happy investing and bye for now.